between, but we've done chapter 1, we've done chapter 2, now we're doing two, chapter 3 and chapter 4. They're very short chap chapters, so I will try not to read them too fast, but I want you just to listen as I uh, read them. If you have a Bible, please feel free to turn to Jonah 3 and Jonah 4. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. We already talked about what he talked to Jonah the first time and, and told him what he was supposed to do, and Jonah decided he wasn't, and, you know, of course, he went in the belly of the fish and got spit out on dry land, and now the Lord is talking to him again. I don't know if Jonah had got time to get a change of clothes. He still had all this stomach stuff. You use your own imagination. All over him and seaweed, and God began to speak to him again. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. And deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, my understanding of this, it took three days for him to walk through the center of the city. <clears throat> That's my understanding. One day, Jonah entered, on the day Jonah entered the city, Try to think about this if you're living in the city. Maybe you're, uh, you're living in, uh, in New Glasgow, and you're, you're, let's, let's use the mall just to get a little more of a context here. You're, you're, you're in the mall shopping. It's Christmas. The place is packed. And all of a sudden you hear this guy yelling and you look down and there comes Pastor Bruce. And he's shouting to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh or New Glasgow will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believe God's message. And from the greatest to the least. Pastor Bruce, don't try that unless the Lord tells you, because if you don't, you'll end up in a white jacket. Okay? The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast. That means they decided they weren't going to eat, and they put on burlap. That's, in my mind, that's like the potato sacks, the old-fashioned potato sacks. They made clothes of that to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this degree throughout the city. No one. Now, God didn't say this part, not, not in the text anyway, but this is what the king said. Not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. That's what God wanted. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Uh, chapter 4. This change of plans, we're back at really centered on Jonah again, greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Have you ever complained to the Lord about anything? Okay, I will admit I have, and I didn't get hit by a, straight, uh, by a lightning bolt, but I did complain to the Lord before, and some of you did too, you just won't say. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran to Tarshish. Now we're all kind of, sign, kind of seeing his reasoning here. I knew, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Understand what he's saying here. Lord, if you don't kill this bunch of people, this bunch of pagans, then I'd rather be dead than see them alive. 
The Lord replied, verse 4, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went to, out to the east side of the city. So he kind of stomped out of the city. In my mind, that's what I see him doing. And he made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to him. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant, some call it, say a gourd, they grow really fast, to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. Then the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. Do you want to be a Jonah? <laughs> the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. This guy, he wished to die a lot. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then Jonah, or God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. You even angry enough to die again. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. Though you did nothing to put it there, it came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh, as more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? I said earlier that the title of the concluding message from Jonah is The Mission and the Motive. So we're going to look very quickly, and I'll, I'll try not to keep you long. Jonah's Mission and Motive. Our mission and motive, and the most exciting and challenging part, as far as I'm concerned, is God's mission and God's motive. Number one, Jonah's mission and motive. We know it right away. Jonah 1.1, 1, 1, the very first verse. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked its people are. So that was Jonah's mission. Go to Nineveh and tell them God is not happy. He doesn't like what they're doing. He doesn't like their violence, their brutality, their sin, and there's judgment coming. We know from our journey together that Jonah followed through with his mission after God convinced him. But now we realize it was reluctantly. His motivations were wrong. Look at the verses we already read. This change of plans greatly, Justice chapter 4 greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God. You're slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Can you think about that, Pastor Bruce? You went up to the mall. You preached that unless people repented and gave their heart to the Lord, uh, they would all be killed. And every single person in the mall, mall manager, all the stores, everybody dropped on their knees and asked Jesus to forgive them. And you said, man, I'd rather be dead than see this happen. Uh, like a total evangelism for the whole city, and he's upset. What evangelist wouldn't love that? Wouldn't you like it that everybody you spoke to about God gave their heart to God? Anybody would like that? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? This guy, he was mad. I'd rather be dead. Give me the suicide pill. Kill me. Kill me now. Annoyed because God is just too loving, too merciful, and too compassionate. The very characteristics of God that we love having applied to us and our families, Jonah just couldn't, he just couldn't handle it to other people. Simple truth is, Jonah hated these people. While he might deserve God's mercy and grace, these people didn't. They were brutal. They were 
they were abusers. They were murderers. And what really infuriated him was that when he pronounced judgment, it didn't come true. See, Jonah had forgotten, and, and this is the same thing we need to remember today, even when we think about the, mo- the people that just disgust us the most in the world, especially if you watch the news and it really ticks you off about some of the stuff people do and seem to get away with it. We ne- better not forget the one thing that stops judgment is when people repent and change their wa- ways. And as I got on the screen there, God is a forgiver and a restorer. And you need to, you know, there's one thing to be upset. There's one thing to get, uh, you know, uptight with, with people that and do bad things. But we got to believe that if, if, if they would just trust God, God would restore them and forgive them and change their lives just like he did with us. Someone needs to remember that today. Even though, even though you maybe have done some things that you think, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of done for now. You need, your feelings are, can be, you can have feelings, and you can admit your feelings. It doesn't mean your feelings are right. What we need to do is believe God. And someone, I just felt someone need to hear that one today. I remember uh, when, we, when I was in college in Ontario many years ago, a lot younger than I am now, with a lot more hair than I have now. But I remember we used to go to seniors' homes, and I remember this one particular senior home, there was a lady, and she didn't look like very old at all to be in there, but... Uh, she believed that she had done something that she could never be forgiven for. And it didn't matter how much we prayed for her, how much we talked to her. She had this thing locked in her mind that she was beyond reach. God is a forgiver and a restorer if we repent. Even though her feelings were real to her, she, just like you and I, we need to believe God and if you believe God and keep believing God no matter what, after a while the feelings will line up with what God says. I really believe that. For, look at verse 3. shows the severity of Jonah's dislike for all the converts he had. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. I have never led anybody to the Lord and then after I got saved, said, Lord, you can kill me now because I, just, I was hoping they wouldn't get saved. I, I've never thought like that. I hope I never do. Let's look at one more verse before we leave. And this is... And we're moving all over Jonah, by by the way, now. Jonah chapter 4, again, verse 9. Jonah, God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Remember, Jonah was, he had went outside the city, he was open, God was, you know, the people were repenting, but he was open, judgment would still come. So he's just sitting outside the city waiting, and God had provided this plant to to give him some shade, because, man, like, I don't know, what, it might be 40s or 50s degrees, and he was hot. And God says, is it right to be angry because this plant died? Yes, Jonah said, I'm angry enough to die. Listen to this. Because our, our comforts can be very important for us, to us. Someone said, don't let your plant become your God, but let your plant lead you to God. End of quote. What, what's the saying? Is, don't let the things you take for granted that brings you comfort become what you worship, become what you depend on. But let what you depend on lead you to God. And my wife and I, we try every day when we, we do our own personal de- uh, private devotions together is to thank God just for something as simple as living in the house we live in. To be able to go to the refrigerator and open up the door and get some food and eat whatever we want. Because I find it so easy to take things for granted. There's people all over the world. There, if you've been watching the news in Sudan and people dying, can't even feed their kids. They're lucky if they can get them a meal a day. And we, we've got so much. I, I never wanted, want to let the things that bring me comfort 
become what's all important to me. If I lose them, then, I, then God becomes my enemy. No, no. Maybe these things make me more thankful to God. Jonah was upset about what interfered with his personal comfort when he, than he was about, <coughs> excuse me, about the salvation of a city. See, Jonah had the wrong motive. Do we ever disobey? Because we don't want anything or anyone to interfere with our comfort. Just a thought. Number two, our mission and our motive. <coughs> excuse me. Remember, before we started this ser- series, we said that a prophet's mandate, or in the beginning, we said was to do, go, say, whatever was God's command. Okay, before Jesus died on the cross, and before he went back to heaven, he gave the mission and motive for all who professed to be his followers. And you can't really separate the two. In Luke 10, verses 25 to 28, it says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. So here there was a bunch of people around. Here's this uh, expert in religious law. So he might have been a, a, a lawyer who whose expertise was in religious law, looks like it. And he wanted to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get eternal life? What does the law of Moses say, Jesus said? How how do you read it? And here's what the man said back to him. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said. Do this, and you will live. This is the first and most important part of a Jesus follower's journey. Now, if we look at what Jesus said after he died and resurrected, and he was about to return to his father, he said in Matthew 28, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make, what's that word? It's not converts, right? It doesn't say, therefore, go and make converts. Converts is something like I would do at the end of a service for Pastor Bruce or Pastor Jonah and say, if there's anybody here who would like to give their heart to Jesus, pray this prayer, you become a convert. A disciple is someone that's sold out to the Lord and said, Lord, you're in charge of all my life, my money, my, my talents, everything I do, you're in charge of it. You move from one to the other. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, here it comes, to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission, or our mission, and it has never, ever been recalled. But the truth is, you can't really do the second part of this, what Jesus said in Luke, without the first. See, it's very, uh, very hard to truly love your neighbor as yourself, if you don't love God with all your strength, all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And just like one of the people that asked in the New Testament, well, who's my, who's my um, neighbor? Jesus didn't say it was the person living over th- next door to you. And, uh, of course they are. He say, and then he told a little story, and I don't want to go into that because it's getting me off on, it would get me on a different track. But it's just that anybody who, who you can help, who you can help uh, spiritually or whatever at the time that you come across, that's your neighbor. Anybody that could be in trouble. You might say, in context of this message, God never told me to walk through my city or walk through the mall or walk through the town and do what Jonah did. You would be right. But he did say, for you and for me, as we walk our journey on this earth, we must be an example of him in the words we say and the way we live. In other words, we're good stewards 
of everything. And the person that would say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I, I go to church sometimes, um, uh, but then you go live whatever way you want, you don't mind cheating on stuff, you don't mind doing stuff under it, but that's, that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying, is you're, you, as you walk through this earth, your life shows that you belong to someone other than yourself. See, if you, are not, you and I are breathing here today, and I trust you all are, we have purpose. And as some of us realize, you know, like Moody and a few more of us realize, as we get older, that purpose begins to narrow a little bit because we can't do all the things that we used to do. We can't do all, all the stuff with the energy and, uh, you know, the, and keep going for hours and hours like we used to do. But as long as you're alive, we have a purpose. I think of my grandmother. We're going, we're going to Newfoundland in a, in, a, in a week or so to see her, and uh, people are coming from across Canada, family, because she's going to be 100 on uh, the 19th of May. And she's in a bed. And you might say, you know, why does that per-? And I've heard people say this, and, 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 and obviously it, it annoys me. I hope I don't think that way as I get older. But what's, like, isn't it better just to be dead? What can you do? What purpose? I believe as long as a believer is breathing, God's got a purpose for them. Whether it's praying for someone. You know, the, some of the nurses, they love her in that hospital. And, you know, she don't mind. As you get older, you seem to get bolder, too. So she don't mind saying stuff either. You know, sometimes it's funny. but uh, So we might have a narrower purpose, but we still have a purpose. The foundational fact is Jesus said if we will love him and love others more than anything, we will inherit eternal life with him. You find that in Luke 10. In the words of Jesus, we find our motivation for obedience when we continue doing that we also find out the specifics of what he wants us to do. And a lot of people are like, well, what does he want me to do specifically? You do what he told you in the parts I already read, and you'll find out specifically how you live out that. Number three, God's mission and motive. John 3.16, a very, very familiar verse. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes him will not perish, but have eternal life. See, it's not if you were brought up in the church or brought up in a Christian family or you come from a broken family or you come from a family of just like, just seemed like they had it all together. That's not what makes you a Christian. That's not why John 3.16 is in the Bible. See, someone said no one is beyond redemption. The power of the gospel is for all who repent and believe. But there's also another thing going on. In John 10, as you see on the screen, the thief's purpose talking about the, the devil, and I can't show you a picture of him really yet, but there's a spirit about whose job for your life, what he wants to do is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And Jesus said, my purpose is completely different. I want to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, that sounds like a pretty good mission for us so far. Provision for salvation and provision of a rich and satisfying life as you go through this earth. But watch his motives for us on this journey and some of the valleys we go through. Because some of us would ask that question. Like, like I go through a lot of struggles. I go through a challenge. Why, why is that? I'm supposed to be a Christian. You know, sometimes some of my troubles is of my own making. Some God allows me to go through. By the way, even when our valleys are our own making, he can use them to make us better. Did you realize that? Jonah is a perfect case. Someone said, I, can, I think I put this on, on, on the screen too. Sometimes God puts us through. This might encourage someone this morning. Through an unusual experience, 
in order that we may the better understand him and sometimes we may the better know ourselves. Jonah certainly understood a lot more about God until he was finished. He realized that God can create a fish that can, he can live inside of and he can also cause that fish to throw him up wherever God wanted them to and God can cause him to live even though it looked like he was dead. Sometimes God puts us through things we don't even understand. But it's a purpose. I know God loves us, and his love for his creation motivates him. I, I discovered God is up to something in the lives of all of his followers. Why do we go through the stuff, though? That, that's the stuff. That, I mean, I, I think that way, too. What is it is going to make, what is go, this going on for in my life? What, what is, why am I feeling this? Or why is this physical thing happening? The Lord is it's slowing me down. I can't do stuff that I wanted to do. What's God's motive? I just got a few scripture verses I want to read to you. Then we'll start. In just a moment, we'll start the conclusion. 1 Peter 1.21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. God's up to making you like Jesus. Verses Romans 13 and in the message more of a paraphrase, says, get up, get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ. I see somebody putting on a sweater or a shirt. And that's what, that, look at the word he's using. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. In other words, be like Jesus. Live like Jesus. And here's my favorite. Galatians 4, 19 in New King James Version. It says, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. Now, a baby being formed in a womb, by the way, I've never had a baby, but we've had three. My wife has had three. And I understand there's trimesters. I guess that means three, three different trimesters. And I don't know which one you're in today. And it doesn't depend on your age either. But we're all in different trimesters. Paul says, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. You know, you might be in a Christian for quite a while and you say, I'm just so discouraged, man. I don't seem to be doing well at all. My life is just, I, I just one step forward, two steps back. I, I don't feel like I'm growing. I, nothing's changing in my life. I, I just want to do a very quick illustration. Uh, maybe Pastor Joanna and Jordan would come up here. I called her Mrs. Goodfine this morning, and, and that's not her name at all. It's Goodhine. But it was a good fine, right, Jordan? Yeah. And she said the same thing with you. Good fine. Okay, you're over, you're, yeah, maybe you're right here. And you're right there. Okay, this, this, Jordan represents when I first became a Christian. So, I mean, I, I know he doesn't look bad, but it, it was bad. But I became a Christian, okay? And so I'm starting right here, and, and I... You know, I'm I wanting to become like Jesus. Joanna, you know who she's representing, right? <laughs> I had to do that. If I did it the other way, Jordan, Joanna would never, never mind. Uh, anyway, I'm growing in the Lord until Christ is formed in you, remember? So I'm, this is life. We're walking life. I just became a Christian. I'm going forward, okay? I'm going forward. And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm not getting any closer. I mean, I, I read my Bible. I pray. I try to be kind to people. I try, when I do things wrong, I ask for forgiveness. And I, I try not to have any bitterness in my heart toward people, even when they do things wrong to me. I, Lord, I'm trying. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to move forward. And you seem to keep moving away from me. He said, well, I don't seem to be growing. 
Sometimes, sometimes you've got to look back. Sometimes. Just to look back to where you were. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not yet where I'm supposed to be or where I'm going to be. But Christ is being formed in me. And as I move, I'm getting further away from what I used to be. I'm becoming more like the one that I'm headed for. Can you, do you understand that a little bit? Just, just sometimes you've got to look back to where you were and just say, I'm not, the, I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I used to be. No, I'm not, I'm not like Jesus yet. I, I, there's times I still lose it and I, and I think negatively, and I, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm heading toward the Lord and I'm growing again. Thank you very much for that. Thanks, guys. Give them a hand, will you? I think they should win the medal. I tell you, Hollywood's got nothing on this church. There's Oscar winners right here. So what have we learned from Jonah? Number one, it's better to be obedient to God, not only when it's convenient, but always. I, I would say there's a number of people there this morning. You've been obedient to God when you couldn't figure it out. It didn't make no sense, but you just felt this is what God wanted you to do, and, and, and you've, you did it. Maybe you can look back and say, I did it. I still don't understand. You're not God. And sometimes God don't let you understand everything. He's just asking you to be obedient. You will understand it someday. Secondly, we don't only need God when we're in a crisis, but every day, all the time, Actually, some of our most vulnerable times can be when we think things are great. And this is not to scare anyone this morning who's just, everything's just going great for you right now. Oh man, the business is doing great. The kids are great. Your health is good. But to encourage all of us to stay connected, stay tight with God through every season that we face. In other words, like we mentioned last week, look again to Him and hope again. Do you remember that last Sunday if you were here? Look again. And that's what Jonah did. When he was in the fish. While we see ourselves in this little book. Just like these four chapters are our mess ups. Just like Jonah. Are just a snapshot of our lives. And a snapshot doesn't have to define our life. And you know what? The way our history. Maybe you got a grandfather who was a real hard. They say over across the Newfoundland. A hard ticket. A hard case. Maybe he was a mean, miserable guy. Maybe he was a guy who did a lot of wrong things. But you know what? What happened there doesn't have to be your destiny. Because of Jesus Christ, you can be different. So we need to stay tight. A snapshot doesn't have to define your life, especially in the light of our third point today. God's motive and mission is all about Christ being formed in everyone that professes to be his follower. As we, excuse me, went through the book of Jonah, and I don't know if you understand this or not, this is just, I'm just throwing this out there as I, I get ready to close here. It says, God arranged. <laughs> Matter of fact, there's five of them in the book of Noah, Jonah. The first one, it didn't say God arranged it, but it said God, like you can tell, it, it, it's injured there. God arranged for the storm when Jonah was in the fish, in the boat. Then God arranged specifically says God arranged for the fish to come and get Jonah, swallow Jonah. Then when he was outside the city, God arranged for the plant. Then God arranged for the worm. 
Then God arranged for the hot wind. See, on all these things, God was arranging for things to get Jonah from where he was further this way. And this morning, what forms God or Christ in me might be different than what forms Christ in you. Because we're all different. There's some things could happen to you that if it happened to me, it would destroy me. Because that's not the way I'm made. And God knows that. Thank God. So if there's some things going on in your life now, you say, well, I, I'm done. I can't have... God would not allow it if it was going to destroy you. I can tell you that right now. Because God is loving, God is compassionate, and God's mi mission, God's motive is to make you more like Jesus so that you can win more people to Christ. So my prayer today is that we've all learned something from this short series. So remember today, you and I don't have to imitate Jonah, but we can learn from his mistakes and be obedient in everything we do. Uh, why don't we stand together? I'm going to talk to you in just a moment again before we pray. But I'm, uh, Kristen's going to lead us in a song. And I just want you, uh, she's going to sing a song. And just look at the words. And then maybe if you, know, if you think you might know it, she'll sing it maybe twice. And, and then we'll do it again together. The great unknown Just talk to the Lord as she And there I find you in the mystery In oceans deep oh, my, faith. my faith will stand And I will call upon your name Keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours, and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand will be my guide where feet may fail and fear surrounds me you've never failed Hallelujah. and Hallelujah. you won't start now Let me walk upon the waters 
Me what?